0: That's why Scripture is so paramount, to stay under it, to not rebel against it. And the true Christ follower doesn't say, you know, I don't need any more of that. The true Christ follower says, man, I need as much as I can get. Lord, just turn on the fire hose of Bible doctrine and do it today in my life. Pour it into my life as the deer pants for the water so my soul longs after you.
1: Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch.
0: Let's pray. Father, we come before you today and Oh God, as our hearts are seeking You, are longing for You, Father, may You be in our midst. Father, I pray that we'll sense Your presence like never before. And, and Holy Father, we just pray that You would move and You would move in power. And so Lord, as we surrender ourselves to You, as we abandon everything for Your glory, as we renounce everything for Your praise and for the fame of Your name, oh Father, I pray, would You help me right now? Give me the strength. Give me the courage to please You, the audience of one. And so, Father, I do pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable to You. To You and You alone, my Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. And so, Father, we give this to You. This is Your time, not ours. Wash the Word over our souls right now. Grab a hold of our hearts, O Father. As we yield ourselves to You, may You and only You receive the glory as You make Yourself known in this place. Clothe us right now with your righteousness. Clothe us right now with your spiritual armor. And to you be the praise, to you be the glory, as your glory rises above us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, looking at verses 18 through 20 and... As you're turning there, I want you to think about for just a moment the message title. And I know this will resonate with virtually every one of us across this room today. And the title is simply this, Suffering for Doing Good. Suffering for Doing Good. So many today are suffering for doing good, for living for the Lord, for standing tall in the workplace, for speaking that word of loving confrontation to that family member, living on the edge in the midst of a church culture that so often has exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Many today, maybe you, maybe me, we're suffering today for for doing good and Oh I pray today that as we think on these deep biblical truths that we will remind ourselves that we will preach to ourselves that God is good just not on the top of the mountain that you might stand on but yes he is good in the midst of your valleys. That thought was resonating in my mind this morning I was praying in solitude and thinking and I looked down at my phone And this was in my inbox. And I quote If you want to be popular, preach happiness. If you want to be unpopular, preach holiness. Did you catch that? If you want to be popular, preach happiness. But if you want to be unpopular, preach holiness. Vance Havner. Oh, how timely that is in this culture of itching ears. In this culture where people are heaping up teachers for themselves and just doing whatever they want to do, and they don't want to submit to God and His glory, they don't want to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in their life, they do not want to submit to the biblical concept that He requires of us to give Him everything as we surrender to Him in that process, and when we do give Him everything, that's when we're actually set free, I was reminded as well this morning that Ravenhell once said that if Jesus preached the same message that ministers preach today, he never would have been crucified. Oh, how what a true statement that is! It is high time that pastors, it's high time that church leaders, that deacons, that Sunday school teachers, that moms, that dads, that students, that we begin to rise up and live the gospel like never before because the bottom line is this, it's par for the course. You will suffer for doing good. We might as well get used to it and live for Jesus. You know, Probe Ministries just released a ministry report recently, and they determined this, that among U.S. born again Christians between 18 and 39, more than 60% say there's more than one way to salvation. Wow. These that participated in the survey said that yes, Jesus is the way, but also is Buddha and Muhammad, and the reality from Scripture is Jesus is the only way, period. Case closed. And yet from this survey, we see what's going on in a professing Christ culture. See, these stats are just symptoms of the true and greater disease. What happens as we get out from under the Word of God... We get out from under the truth, and now we begin to waffle. Now we begin to wonder. Now we begin to question. The enemy works in the battlefield of our mind, and he sows those thoughts of doubt. And, well, you know, I just don't know. Yes, we do know. Do you know how we know? We know because God's Word says so, period. And yet people are being fed from so many pulpits, Nonsense. Happiness rules the day, right? Who wants to be happy? And they're joyfully receiving a heavy dose of what can I get from God so I will be happy when the true believer craves and hungers and thirsts it is desperate for in a dry and weary spiritual land. They're craving for the meat, the raw truth, the raw gospel of God's Word as they exclaim, the true believer, oh God, woe is me. What can I give to you, oh God, so that my life will be more holy? Wow. And that's why we dive deep into the Word here. We know it's not popular, we know it doesn't attract a crowd, but we're not called from scripture to fill a room of people. We're called from scripture to make genuine fully devoted followers of Christ. And so with that, here we are in our verse by verse word by word study in 1st Peter. In 1st Peter chapter 2 Verse 18-20 through 20 says it like this. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Hmm. 19, for this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, that one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Now lastly, 20, For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, yes. And this church right here from God's Word continues with this same phrase from the previous verse. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So, as we look right now, as we dig in deep, as we unpack this together, as we tear these three verses apart, word by word, thought by thought, may the Holy Spirit move in a powerful way. Because, church, you know this true servants of God, true servants, cannot be, cannot be indifferent to the gospel cannot be indifferent to God's Word. True servants. And with that, First Peter here, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter writes these words when he says this in verse 18, as he continues this thought, he continues this thought, this theme of Christ-like conduct in the midst of persecution this theme of Christ-like conduct in the midst of persecution as you are submitting to authority. He says this, and he addresses servants. He says, servants, those household servants of the day, be subject to your masters with all respect, and not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. You say, well, wait a minute, this is different than That day, we're in this day, and we don't have that type of setup. I I get this, but we still apply the truth of God's Word. It's still relevant. It hasn't lost its relevancy. It hasn't lost its power, certainly. No, we continue to mind the Scriptures. And what a great teaching moment this is, because right here, as he's writing to those that are being persecuted for Christ's sake, he's reminding again, he's reminding again Watch how you react, because if you don't, you're going to blow your witness. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, look right there in verse 18. These servants are to do something. They are to be subject to their masters. Now, I get this. Back in that culture, in that setup, there were times where masters were evil. Matter of fact, many masters hated Christianity. So they would abuse. They would manipulate. And that's hard. And here, Peter is saying, look, be subject to with all respect, not only to the good, but also to the unjust. In other words, not only to the good, but also to the jerks. Now that's hard, man. If you're going to work tomorrow, and you have an employer, a boss, who's just rude and unkind, that's hard, isn't it? that's hard but yet here's what we're called to we are called to live christ even in the midst of when we're being unjustly treated he says look peter does be subject to be submissive to in other words this he uses great imagery often he uses great imagery throughout all his writings and paul does this gloriously And you see this in his writings by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, look, I want you to be submissive to. I want you to literally, the imagery is this, as in a military setup, fall in line under the commander is what he's saying. Joyfully do this. And as you're joyfully doing this in the midst of the good times on the mountaintops, that's a great thing, but in the midst of the valleys, you will also be preaching a thousand sermons with your life. As I began to process that thought, I wrote down key number one, and here it is. Write this down in your notes. Key number one. When we are respectful and joyfully submissive to God, we will be respectful and joyfully submissive to those who are in authority over us. However, the opposite is equally true. So often around here, we have a phrase, you know it by now, and it goes something like this. Everything is an outflow of either our union to Christ or our union not to Christ. You cannot be in union with Christ and think that you escaped the outflow. Oh, no, 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 no. Everything is an outflow in my life and your life. Who we are tethered to is who we live for. If you're tethered to your job, you live for your job. If you're tethered to yourself, you live selfishly for yourself. If you're tethered to some addiction, you live for that addiction. But if you're tethered to Jesus, if you're abiding today in the true vine, if you are set fast on God's Word… If you don't bend, buckle, nor break, but you suffer for doing good, you will live like Christ. Especially in the midst of the pain. Have you ever met a rebellious adult? I could ask you if you've ever met a rebellious child. There'd be hands all over the room. But have you ever met a rebellious adult? Yeah, yeah me too. You know what's interesting about that thought is that rebellious adults show very clearly what's broken in their lives. See, there's something broken. But the more that I thought through that concept... I've never met a rebellious adult who is joyfully submissive to God. Just think through that for a moment. Marinate on that. Let that sink in. Just soak in that for a moment. Think about the rebellious adults that you know. They are not joyfully submissive to God, are they? Why? Well, it's pretty simple. You cannot be joyfully submissive to God and live in rebellion. The two things don't even coexist. It's light versus darkness. And the darkness hates the light. Here's the great news, church family. Understand this today. If you are suffering for doing good at that job site, in that family dynamic, maybe even at the church house, here's the reality. The promise from God's Word is this, that the light and the darkness collide. There's a collision. But here's the glorious truth. The Bible says this, that the darkness will never overcome the light. Wow. What a glorious reassurance for you today that are standing in the gap. That you're standing in the gap for your family. And you're taking a beating spiritually. You are a human pinata. You are literally in a spiritual bounce house right now today. Here's my encouragement Hang on, dear one. Hang on, brothers and sisters. Our God is great, and He is greatly to be praised. Not just when things are going well, but when things are not going well. He is due our praise. And as we worship Him in the storm, as we praise Him in the storm, those are some of the sweetest times of growth Those are some of the sweetest times of fellowship with our Lord. Those are some of the sweetest times of drawing nearer because Spurgeon said it so well. He said this, in the midst of the troubles of life, I've learned to kiss the waves that throw me against the rock of ages. Oh, how true that is. Under this key number one, I want you to write down Luke chapter 6, 27 through 28. Here's what the word of God says But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, woe. Do good, there it is, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Has Luke lost his mind. I don't know about you, but when I'm slandered, when I'm persecuted, all while doing what God is asking me to do, to proclaim the truth without fear nor compromise, typically my first inclination is not to love and bless and do good and pray for those who do these things but I'm commanded to do these things. And what's so glorious is when we begin to do these things, we take action. We just don't think about it. We do these things. We do something. When we begin to do these things in obedience to the Word of God, here is the glorious, glorious truth behind this. We may actually see repentance in those folks that are doing the abusing spiritually, but even if we don't, our conscience is clear, and what happens through that, we know deeply and truthfully that as we walk in obedience to God in the midst of the pushback, in the midst of the undermining, we know confidently, God, we know confidently, church, that our God's going to bless our faithfulness and our obedience to Him. As you marinate on that thought, Look down in your Bible right now to verse 19. Peter goes deeper. He explains this. He says, look, for this is a gracious thing. When what? When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Huh? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm due with respect. And Luke just showed us that we're to bless, we're to pray for, we're to love those that come against us. And now as I look in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, he says, this is actually a gracious thing. This is actually a careless thing. This is actually an unmerited favor thing. I know it doesn't make any sense, but are you telling me, preacher, that it's a gracious thing and a praiseworthy thing to be persecuted unjustly? And my answer from Scripture is a resounding yes. Actually, take it as a compliment, When people persecute you for standing tall for the gospel, take that as a compliment as you boast in the Lord. Satan's minions don't persecute and slander those that are already working for Satan. He eggs them on to persecute and slander those who are working for King Jesus. Take it as a compliment. That when you get persecuted and slandered unjustly, you're treated unfairly. You are mistreated because you live for King Jesus. Take it as a compliment. It's amazing how that will rock your world. Think about that as you go forward in life from this day forward. That when you receive those type of mistreatments and you begin to go, wait a minute, okay, man, this is painful. It hurts. I don't like it, but... Wow, okay. Hey, thanks actually for giving me that compliment. Thank you. Appreciate that. See, it's a gracious thing, church. Why? When we are mindful of God. When our conscience is on God. See, our conscience is what determines that evil from that light the holiness from the darkness. And what happens to so many people, yes, even inside churches all over our country today, is they don't know the difference of the two. Even though they sit inside a church, the reality is they've never given their life to Christ, therefore they haven't been transformed. Their mind has not been renewed. As Paul would say in God's Word, their conscience has been seared. They're wicked. They're evil people. And Peter says, look, I got the t-shirt. I understand this. I'm not giving you advice that I don't truly understand. He says, look, this is actually a gracious thing. When mindful of God, that one endures, one actually bears under the weight of. You're literally carrying the weight. Have you ever had that happen before where you are burned almost beyond measure? You're doing the right thing. You're pursuing God and His glory and His Word and His truth. You're seeking to make disciples. Your life is unraveling in the process. And it's so easy to go, God, what are you doing? God, why are you allowing this to happen? I'm serving you in all these areas. I've surrendered my life and my family's life to you for your glory. And you repay me with a big bag of suffering. Don't lose heart, church. God's working. He's working in the midst of your pain because that suffering is producing something. It's producing something in us. And don't forget this, it's a billboard for God's glory because how we react to the suffering is a neon sign that shows the world who we truly live for, not circumstantial living based on our circumstances, but it shows a lost and dying world that we live for the King regardless of if He goes our way or not. So many people right now today are going Jesus' way because, quote-unquote, He's going their way. But what's going to happen is when He decides to go, you know what? I actually got something a different plant here for my glory and for your good, and he takes a different route, you're going to see a lot of people bailing off the Jesus ship. And it's just the reality of this post-Christian world we live in. That's why key number two in your notes is this. As strange as it may sound, The person whose affections are on God in the midst of the suffering from mistreatment are actually a recipient of God's grace. Write this down. Key number two, as strange as it may sound to your flesh, the person whose affections are on God in the midst of the suffering from mistreatment are actually a recipient of God's grace. You say, well, how do we know this? Well, I'm glad that you inquired. Here's what Paul writes now. So, Peter's writing to the believer then and to us today. And now, Paul is going to connect the same dots as he writes here to the church in Philippi. And he says this in Philippians chapter 1, 27 through 29. He says this only let the manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Did you catch that? He says this, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Why? So that, whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind. You are striving, you're laboring side by side. You're linking arms, you're shoulder to shoulder is what he's saying. Why? For the faith of the gospel, not for self, but for the faith. And then he says these words in 28 of Philippians 1 and not frightened in anything by your opponents opponents what are you talking about preacher yeah when you stand tall for the gospel you have now stirred satan's hornet's nest and he's going to release his minions on you with his fiery darts Matter of fact, Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians, for there is a great and effective door that's been opened to me and there are many adversaries. Oh, how true it is. But Paul goes on in this Philippians 1:27 through 29 and he says this about those opponents. He says, this is a clear sign to them of their own destruction. Wow. Man, when you're not frightened of them, Proverbs 28, 1 says it like this, the wicked flee when no one pursues they're paranoid i gotta get out of here this is too convicting the wicked flee when no one pursues but the righteous are as bold as a lion you see that today church in the midst of your suffering your persecution when your affections are on god in the midst of the suffering from the mistreatment it's actually a reminder of god's grace in your
1: life
0: And Paul then goes on in that same Philippians text and says it's of their destruction but of your salvation and that from God. And then he says this phrase, and this is the key phrase that undergirds what Peter is saying right here in this text of verse 19 of this First Peter chapter 2. He says this, Paul does, in Philippians chapter 1, 29. He says, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. This is so glorious. Paul here, previously in chapter one there of Philippians, he says this, look, as my chains are in Christ, it's actually for the furtherance of the gospel. I mean, This guy had perspective, didn't he? He goes, in the midst of this imprisonment here, It's actually for the furtherance of the gospel because the whole praetorium guard, the whole praetorium guard has heard about King Jesus. Church, do you understand this? That could have been upwards of 10,000 soldiers. If Paul's on the mountaintop of life, sitting back, drinking sweet tea, The whole praetorium guard doesn't hear about Jesus. Do you see how God can use your suffering today to actually spread the Gospel? And don't miss this in that verse 29 of Philippians 1. It's been granted to you. Here's the tie-in to 1 Peter 2.19. It's been carest to you. It's been grace to you. Do you see the connection? We always think this, that man, grace is all about believing. Yeah, it's all about believing in Christ and giving our life, to Him. that's true, but it's also a connection here to suffering. How will we, how will you and I truly know the power of Christ's resurrection if we do not embrace the fellowship of His sufferings? Oh, what a deep, conviction that is in my soul and I pray in yours as well so now let's finally look at the third verse of this three verse section verse 20 of 1st Peter chapter 1 and look how he just puts the big red bow on the gift of scripture and here's what he says verse 20 of 1st Peter chapter 2 as he explains he asks a question for what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it you endure what credit is it you did something wrong you got punished does everyone go around going oh that's horrible if i go out here and speed and get a ticket i pray i'm not prophesying about something that's going to happen amen Pray against that church right now. If I go out here today and get that ticket, I bring it back here to you. You don't all surround me. And you go, Well, tell us about what happened. Well, I was going 80. What was the speed limit? 25. You don't sit back and go, Oh, that's horrible. We're so sad you're being mistreated. No. What you're probably going to say here in a loving way is Don't speed, knucklehead. So many people are just bending the truth about their life. They're living in denial. It may be a river in Egypt, as we always say, but it's a really bad game plan for the Christian life denial. So many are living in it. Victimology. Everyone else's fault. Everyone's against me. No, actually, maybe people are trying to get your attention as you're living in darkness. What credit is it if we live as Christ's followers and we're living in sin at the same time and we talk one way and live the other and not for the Lord but for the enemy? What credit is it if we suffer for sinning? There isn't any credit. We deserve it. However, for those of us that do good and we suffer for it, And we endure patiently. This is a gracious thing. This is a careless thing. This is another unmerited favor thing mentioned twice in two verses. I think Peter's trying to tell us something here, church. It's an acceptable thing. And that's why our last key is this, key number three. When the truth is on trial, write this down. When the truth is on trial true Christ followers will suffer unjustly. Key number three, write it down. You need this. Probably by lunchtime. Here it is. When the truth is on trial, not if, but when, true Christ followers will suffer unjustly. I've learned this years ago, that when you cast the truth of God's Word on the table, it always divides the room. Why? Because you got people that are walking in light, and some are walking in darkness, and it's greatly offensive to those who are walking in darkness. Hey, we've got to find somewhere else to go. This is just too convicting. They will never tell you that. They'll give you a bunch of excuses. It's called a cover. And they'll give you a bunch of cover-ups to go, well, we really don't like this, and we really don't like this over here. We're really not happy. And what they're really saying is this, the pursuit of holiness is not for me. That's what they're really saying. We you know how that should break our hearts. Darkness hates the light, and I just can't tell you, I cannot overstate how much this happens. And if you're not experiencing peace in your life, in your home, your business, your ball team, or your church, you don't have a peace issue, you've got a darkness versus light issue. That's why Scripture is so paramount, to stay under it, to not rebel against it. And the true Christ follower doesn't say, you know, I don't need any more of that. The true Christ follower says, man, I need as much as I can get. Lord, just turn on the fire hose of the Bible doctrine and do it today in my life. Pour it into my life. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. So here are several verses I'm going to give you in this last section. Watch how we connect these dots about this key number three As Peter says, look, what credit is it, church? What credit is it if you live in sin and you suffer for it? There's no credit there. You deserve it. I deserve it. But for those who are doing good today and you're suffering unjustly, oh, my heart goes out to you. I know what it's like. I've been there. Got the t-shirt. It's painful. But my encouragement is this. Continue to press on for King Jesus. Get a rope. I mean a really big rope. Don't get a flimsy rope. Get a big, thick rope. Get that rope and tie a huge, big knot at the end of it. And on that rope, just write the name of King Jesus in red. King Jesus in red. Just write it on there. And what you do, you hang on to the end of that rope. You hang on to Jesus in the midst of your storms. And watch him prove himself faithful. Watch him prove himself mighty. Watch him prove himself to say simply this, that I am greater than the storms in your life. And here are the words from Scripture that I pray will bless and encourage and challenge your soul today. Here Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 13, he says this, Indeed, all who desire, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Wow. All and will. All and will. There are no escape clauses here. There are no detours around the fiery furnaces for the true believer in Jesus. Can't do it. They don't exist. But here's the beauty. Christ will either do one of two things. He will either pull you out of the fiery furnace or He will leave you in there for such a time as this to redeem the time and He will jump in there with you. Praise Jesus. Amen. And then Paul goes on to Timothy, while evil people and imposters oh they're everywhere hey i'm in for king jesus no you're not your life hasn't been transformed you're a really good church attender and they're imposters and they will go from bad to worse so how we're saying that why because they're deceiving and they're being deceived wow see deception is what the enemy does So how do we respond to that? We'll go down now to Acts chapter 20 and write that one down. Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. Dr. Luke is writing here about Paul and Acts, and we see this so clearly. He says these beautiful words. He says, and now behold, he's recounting what Paul is saying here. I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, capital S, not knowing what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city, not some cities, but every city, that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Wow. Where can you sign up for that team, amen? Sign up for the affliction in every city team. Put that on a clipboard in the front row of your church. But here's Paul's response. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course, my race, and my ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Wow. It's amazing. Just amazing. Only the Holy Spirit can accomplish this. Hey, Paul, got a plan for you. Here it is. Uh, you're going to go about, and you're going to suffer, not just in some cities, but in every place you go, you're going to be a spiritual punching bag. (laughs) Wow. And Paul's response is not, hey, uh, I don't want to take that assignment. I'm going to be a Jonah, and I'm out of here. Paul's response is simply this. In one translation, he says this phrase, but none of these things move me. How do you say that in the midst of suffering and persecution? you say it because everything's an outflow and when you are tethered to Christ you just keep on trucking amen and then paul writes to the church in corinth write down 1 corinthians chapter 4 10 through 13 and he says these words He says, we are fools for Christ's sake. Wow, this sounds fun, huh? Listen, it gets much more interesting. But you are wise in Christ, he says. He then goes on, we are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are in disrepute. And then he begins to just take off the gloves and show you exactly what his life is really like. Not driving around in luxury chariots, Staying at the Ritz Carlton on the Sea of Galilee, signing autographs, building his brand. No, listen to these words from the Apostle Paul. To the present hour, we hunger and we thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. When, not if, but when reviled, we bless. When, not if, persecuted, we endure. When, not if, slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world. Wow. And the refuse, the garbage, the dung, if you will, of all things. Sounds like an amazing, exciting life, doesn't it? Jesus was serious on that Damascus Road in Acts 9 when He looked at Paul and said, You are My chosen vessel that you might suffer greatly for My name. Mm. And then lastly, Paul writes here to the church in Philippi. Think about this. Paul to Timothy. Dr. Luke writing about Paul there in Acts, Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and now Paul writing to the church in Philippi, and every one of these undergird and support here in our study today from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. And here's what Paul writes, Philippians three eighteen through 20. Just think about it in the context of wheat and tares, sheep and goats. He says this, "'For many of whom I have often told you "'and now tell you even with tears.'" he's moved. He's moved for the souls of those in front of him. Because Paul has been in darkness. And he's saying, look, don't go down there. You don't want to play with darkness. You don't want to mess with darkness. You'll get absorbed into it. And some of you may never return. You may never get into the light. And he calls them out into the light. And he says, look, some of these people are enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They're selfish. And their glory, their boasting is their shame because they boast in themselves, not in the Lord. With minds, here it is, the conscience. Their minds are set on earthly things, not on God, but our. But our citizenship is in heaven. Oh, praise Jesus. And from it we await a Savior who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I pray that fills your soul to the brim. In the midst of the persecution and the slander, the bottom line is this, there are enemies of the cross outside, in your home, in your business, on your ball team, and yes, even inside your church. That's why it's so key as we launch down into our takeaway question to ask this very introspectively. And here it is question, what's in my spiritual IV bag? you ever thought about that? What's in my spiritual IV bag? All of us are carrying around a spiritual IV bag. Everyone is. And if our answer is nothing, trust me on this, that's something... You may have a big bag of nothing in your spiritual IV bag, but that's something because everything's an outflow. And if you got nothing in there, no wonder you got nothing in your life. What are you putting in that spiritual IV bag? What are you nourishing your soul with today? Don't throw your life away. Don't retire from being a follower of Christ. Are you finishing strong? Am I finishing strong? You know, it was once said that it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken adults. Wow. It was once said that it's easier to build strong children on the front end and keep them under God's Word than to repair broken adults. And that's the state of our country today. We're trying to repair a bunch of spiritually broken people. But you got to remember, church, Jesus is not our buffet that we just pull up to and we get a plate and we go, you know, here's the Jesus buffet. I'll take a little of this and I'll take a little of that. And boy, that looks really yummy over there. But, ooh, wait a minute. Ooh, that part of Jesus I don't want. That's too convicting. I don't want that. No, He's not our buffet. Don't take the portions that just please you and then you discard the portions of Jesus that offend you. You can't do it. You either take all of Jesus or you discard all of Jesus. Those are the only two options. No wonder so very few people truly surrender to Him. I know oh, how we need courage in people today, don't we church? Church? Oh, how we need courageous people that will stand for biblical truth, that will stand for reality of where we really are as a nation, as a church culture, that will call it what it is and will name it. And yes, it's painful. Yes, it hurts. But we say, look, here's where we are spiritually. Now we know where we can go from there. If all we do is live in denial, we will never get anywhere except backwards, We need some courageous people that will stand. When church attenders are caving everywhere to the darkness, we need church disciples, true disciples, that will stand tall and not continue to bow the knee to the darkness all around us or the fear of man. You know, as once said regarding suffering for doing good, that come what may, Let the furnace be ever so hot. Let the waters be ever so deep. Let the shadow be ever so dark. Let the path be ever so rough. Let the pressure be ever so great. But still hold fast your confidence in Christ's perfect love and the sympathy towards you. Wow. Oh, wow. You know, church, there's a story that goes like this. An old grandfather is teaching his grandson about life. Sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? He says this to the young boy, Fight is going on inside of me. Hmm. It's a terrible fight, and it's a fight between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority. Lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good. He is joy. He is peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. He looks at the boar and he says the same fight is going on inside of you. And inside every other person as well. The grandson pondered for a moment and then asked his grandfather this question. He said, which one will win? Which one will win in these two battles? Great question by the young boy. To which the grandfather replied, the one that you feed. What's in your spiritual IV bag today, church? Whatever we feed will begin to dominate and take over our lives. If you're feeding your soul God's Word, you will become a passionate Christ follower of the King Himself but if you're feeding yourself the things of this life and this world, you will further sink into the abyss of darkness. Unless you repent, you will sink into a place where God is not. See, the action step today is this. Write it down. When, not if, I am mistreated for standing for the truth, I will seek to have compassion on the souls of those who are persecuting me. Let me repeat this action step. This is so mission critical. When, not if, I am mistreated for standing for the truth, I will seek to have compassion on the souls of those who are persecuting me. Oh, how hard that is. But church, oh, how necessary this is. you got to remember that it's not personal. Don't take the slander and the rejection against you, the true believer in Christ, personally. They don't hate you. They hate the one who's living inside of you. When you begin to promote truth from the gospel of God's Word it's going to shine a light on their darkness. And people go to great lengths to keep their darkness from being exposed. But we should have a compassion on them. We are not vengeful. We're not trying to get back. If anything, our hearts are just broken. As Paul said, with tears. When you see someone who says they're in for Jesus, but the reality is they're enemies of the cross, that should break our hearts. You should remember 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 that says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to those of us that are being saved, it is the power of God. Oh, that gives me great joy and confidence on one hand, and on the front end of that verse, it makes me weep. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. When you proclaim the word, you live the word, you teach the word, you go in the community, you go to the workplace, the family reunion, and you're living Jesus, and you're taking that spiritual pummeling from other people that truly don't know Jesus and He doesn't know them, that should bring us to our knees in desperate tears because they're tipping their hand. They'll give you all the excuses on why they want to get out from under the Word of God, but the reality is simply this, they've never surrendered their life to Christ. And so church today, if you are suffering for doing good, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray, I pray with a passion, I pray with a desperation, I pray that you don't bend, buckle, nor break, I pray you don't lose heart, keep keeping on because we know that since he's for us who can really be against us we know this that greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world we know confidently from god's word that god is on our side and because he's on our side what can man do to us oh i pray as we prepare to go into the mission field of life this week may we suffer And suffer well for doing good. Let's pray. Oh Father, as we come before You, as J.C. Ryle once said, men question the truth of Christianity because they hate the practice of it. Well, Father, I pray today in this time of reflection that we will understand the deep biblical truth that if Jesus is not our everything, something else will be. And God, I pray our hearts are just breaking with tears as the reality is that we are raising up a generation of people all over this country that are joyfully bowing their knee to the darkness while simultaneously, oh God, they're convincing themselves that they're somehow walking in the light, and it's just deception at its finest, oh God. So I pray for those. I pray for those now. That they would repent and turn to You. Guard our hearts. Keep us in the light. Keep us on our knees in desperation. And oh God, may You receive the praise. May You receive the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name.
1: Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.